Welcome to Little Bit Weebish. This is the podcast where I, Megan Cardenas, chat with my friends about the anime that I love episode by episode. And of course, we are doing Jujutsu Kaisen with Sam. Sam, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am doing good. Um, For everyone who doesn't know, we did take a little bit of break from recording. Um, So it's like been a hot minute since we've been doing this. I know that chronologically, (laughs) no time has passed, but for us, it has. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. I just, I feel like we've been still chatting about other things, but we're like, oh, are we going to record this week? Nah. (laughs) And it's just kind of been pushed. Exactly. And that's why we do everything so far ahead in advance. So mm-hmm. yeah, but um, Definitely. but still super excited. Um, As my husband was like coming in and out of me watching the episodes, he's like, man, that is such a good anime. I want to rewatch. I'm like, well, we can rewatch it together. He's like, you're already doing that though. And I'm like, I can watch it a third or fourth time like I do that so it's just (laughs) it's that good I know and like with season two coming up I'm like Mm -hmm. we will be rewatching this so it's just so good I'm excited for everyone to be doing this with us I feel Mm -hmm. like this is just going to be a good time all around so Sam, let's hop into our episodes today which we're covering episodes seven through nine And episode seven's title is Assault. And for a quick summary, but you know, it's me giving the summary. So, you know, it's not going to be that quick. (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, whoa, what a novel. And you know what? I looked at yours. I was like, wow, she really meant quick summary. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with Wandering Briaxis, like I've learned that if I want to talk about anything else, like I've got to get it down to like three or four sentences. And so I'm like... This is my least favorite part. So yeah, yep. <laughs> this is what exactly. I'm gonna, this is what I'm gonna do. Well, and it was so funny because I did listen to Wandering Briaxis, and I can't remember which episode, but there is one where you wrote a longer summary, and Lindsay yeah. was like, "I opened up the doc, and it was like, whoa, she wrote a lot." And you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> normally I don't do that." And I'm like, oh yeah, sometimes you just gotta give in to those longer summaries, you know? That's true. So. Anyway, everyone, quick is in air quotes right now. Let's dive into episode seven, the summary. Now, Gojo is on his way to meet the principal when he senses something. He asks the driver to leave him there in the middle of the road when he is attacked by the volcano curse, uh, Jogo. I know. I It's the I reverse, need, and it's so I terrible. I I will mess it up, and I am just saying, like, everyone cut me some slack. It's, I already flip letters. I already flip yeah. words. This is, like, the worst possible outcome for me. So, yeah. I mean, Jogo. I do the same with these two, and then I do it with Toto and yes. Toge. Those two. Yes. It is for Yuji so and bad. Yuta, God, <laughs> I what, know. The hell? what the hell? It, it's so bad. But these, especially Gojo. Wait, yeah, Gojo and Jogo. Oh my yes. gosh. Okay. Anyway, the volcano curse, Jogo, and it looks as though this volcano burst attack knocked him out. But of course, Gojo isn't taken out easily and ultimately he survives all these attacks and he's like let's make this a teaching opportunity so he grabs Itadori (laughs) to observe and Yuji he had been busy watching those movies and refocusing his energy so this was going to be his next lesson on domain expansion and Mm -hmm. Jogo he remembered this conversation earlier back in the cafe when he needed to one render joke gojo unable to fight and yuji and sukuna to get on his side for the second part Mm. so joko was like did he like figure out our plan but gojo's like 
no, I'm using this as an opportunity to teach. Also, you're pretty weak. And <laughs> that makes Jogo furious, erupt yeah. with rage, literally, and gets them in his domain expansion. Now for the plot twist, the way to deal with a domain expansion is to lay out your own domain. The more refined one will dominate that space. And so, of course... Gojo removes his blind, takes over Jogo's domain completely into this infinite void. And instead of letting the cursed spirit die, Gojo rips off his head and asks who sent him. And up above, Suguru Geto, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and another curse spirit watch and so gato's like you can go get him you know you can decide if you want to save him or not if your kind is even sentimental to begin with and he just leaves now gojo he continues to question with the threat to exercise him and this other curse spirit rescues get Joe Go rescues Gojo <laughs> with these beautiful flowers as a distraction and hides his presence, which is very impressive to Gojo, even more impressive than Volcano Head. And so Gojo tells Itadori that he wants him and the other students to beat those level of curses. That's their concrete yeah. goal. And, you know, He's like, we'll show it off at the exchange event. And Yuji's like, well, what's that? Because <laughs> Gojo didn't bother telling him at all about it. Now, in this otherworldly place, Gato meets up with a friend, Mahito. Uh, Mahito. I almost said it like Mahito, like the Mahito. drink. Ma yeah. Mahito at the beach. D-Day is approaching October 31st in Shibuya. Mahito agrees. Mahito agrees. Let's be cunning as curses should and humans should. And I'm like, ah, this is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time that I type in Mahito into the word docs, it always like autocorrects to Mojito. And yes! It's That's so annoying. I'm like, learn, learn, learn at this point yes. that this is what I'm trying to write. <laughs> yes. If I keep spelling mojito as mojito and not mojito, which also is happening to me, learn <laughs> this word. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sorry for everyone who is like, wow, Megan said that name horribly. It's because I'm combating the autocorrect of mojito and yes. just... It's getting jumbled in my brain. Definitely. <laughs> I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah. So now I wanted to talk about the theme of never underestimating others or yourself. Um, because we saw that basically prevalent within the whole fighting scene. Um, we saw that the demise of the volcano curse, Jogo, was that he truly underestimated Jogo's skills. Wait, mm -hmm. Gojo's skills. Yes, yeah. And he had this massive ego trip that nearly cost him his life. Like, he literally could have died, but Gojo was like, eh, I want to figure out who sent you, so we're going to yeah. spare you for now. But he truly underestimated his own skills, um, or he truly underestimated Gojo's skills, um, despite the warning that he got earlier. Now, on the flip side, we have Yuji, who just received validation and confirmation from his teacher that he wants all the students to be as good in, of uh, sorcerers to beat that level of a curse. And Yuji doesn't even see how that could be possible for him and I know that in comparing these two things it might seem contradictory um that one Gojo was wasn't uh that he was underestimating Gojo um and being way too confident himself but I'm saying that Yuji should be more confident and you know it might seem contradictory but I think that 
what it comes down to is being teachable and flexible and humble in those things. Because Mm -hmm. even when Yuji was, you know, just a normal human, a normal teenage kid with sports, he wasn't egotistical about it. Um, He was kind of almost oblivious that he was the best and what that could mean. Um, So yeah, I think the overall theme here is never underestimating others or yourself while still maintaining those attributes of being teachable and flexible and humble in the process. I don't know. Did you get that at all during the episode? I was actually going to say that when you started talking about this, that um, I had remembered that at some point in the series that uh, Gojo goes to talk to um, the principal of the other school, the rival Uh school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I really actually want to bring this up because I feel like it applies very well and I don't talk about it at all in the eighth episode. Ooh, let's Um, do it. Just because I want people to kind of ruminate over the conversation, even though I'm telling you this ahead of time, I think that it's a really important conversation that Gojo has here. Um, And so what is... What is happening is he ends up um, telling, at least I'm pretty sure, he he insinuates that he told Principal Yaga the wrong time uh, so that he's yeah. late to the principal's meeting. Um, mm-hmm. And so that he meets with the rival, I can't remember his name. He's the old guy with tons of piercings, uh, but that principal. Mm-hmm. So Gojo meets with him and he starts talking about um, how the higher ups have been trying to eliminate sorcerers like him Yuji, Yuta, and then also curse spirits who are very high level to the point where people aren't seeing that there is a very vast amount of different types of sorcerers and curses that are labeled as special grade. Um, They're trying to Mm -hmm. cap it off. They're trying to say, well, like, you don't fit within the special grade box. You're too powerful. Therefore, we're going to take you out. Mm -hmm. And so um, Gojo says, like, I don't agree with that. I think that we need to allow those sorcerers who are strong to be able to survive, to be able to combat those curses when they come about. Because right now we're teaching students, like, that cursed spirits aren't able to talk, aren't able to strategize. And we are finding that and they are very underprepared. And so um, this conversation, kind of going back to what you're talking about of never underestimating others or yourself... When Gojo is pointing out to Yuji that that is the type of cursed cursed spirit that Yuji should be striving to be able to beat, he's trying to set him up, just kind of like he's talked about, where he's trying to raise a generation of strong sorcerers who can think for themselves and be able to thrive, that he's trying to surpass the thinking that this other principal and other higher-ups have tried to suppress. If that makes sense. Right, right. Because all it does is it just keeps them so limited and like you said, so unprepared yeah. that that they that they die or that they get taken out, you know, because mm-hmm. they they are so limited and they underestimate who they're really up against and they underestimate their own skills and what they need to learn in the process to prepare for those moments. So yeah, I like that you brought that up because it was a continuation of the fight that they had Mm -hmm. and everything that Gojo learned in the process of finding a cursed spirit that was um, advanced enough to communicate with him, but also another cursed spirit that was advanced enough to work with another cursed spirit and Mm -hmm. to hide his presence so yeah even it even surprised gojo to an extent and so Mm -hmm. he was like we have to do something about this for the younger generation to come so yeah i'm really glad that you brought that up well i think that like this conversation that gojo has with yuji and then also with the rival principal just really solidifies an understanding of what gojo's ideals and principles are what he's trying to bring this uh, generation up to. 
And I think that it also gives us a better understanding as to why Gojo is against those that are higher up, just because those that are higher up are just trying to keep power. They're not trying to make Jujutsu sorcerers better. They're trying to rem- mm-hmm. or, uh, maintain status quo. They're trying to keep everybody under their thumb. Um, and Gojo's like, that's not how you thrive. That's not how we, you know, like our classes of students are smaller and smaller because they keep dying because they're not prepared enough. Um, and well, it's because you don't want to put in the effort to create strong sorcerers who could topple you off of your Exactly. Pedestal. Exactly. And also that would be why Gojo is constantly butting heads with those higher ups because exactly. he is, he is one of the few remarkable sorcerers mm-hmm. in, in their world as mm-hmm. of right that moment. And Gojo's just like, if these students were better prepared, we could have a whole lot more excellent exactly. people. Um, but yeah, he constantly is butting heads with those higher ups and it's this whole thing. So yeah, Gojo, oh, he's, he's great. He's great. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's great. That's all we need to say. Um, but yeah, let's move on to just our little bonus segment. Was there anything else that you wanted to add or loved about this episode? Um, so you know me. I'm always there for like the funny moments. And I like to point of them course. out. <laughs> of course. Of um, course. But I really, really loved the moment where Gojo is trying to explain to Jogo why he couldn't like land a hit or touch him. And so like, he gets their hands close together and you can see that they're hovering apart. And it's only when Gojo releases the infinity between them that they can Mm -hmm. like lace hands and goes on to say something like, Oh, your reaction is making me very self-conscious. Like what's going on here? He's like, we should (laughs) hold hands and you know, yada, yada, yada. And just showing like that goofy side of Gojo. Um, which totally disarms like the cursed spirit because it's like yeah you are not at all what I'm expecting right now no. I don't know what's <laughs> happening <laughs> exactly oh so I just I loved that part because you can just see the their fingers lacing together and I'm like oh there goes Gojo he's just holding hands with the enemy no big deal <laughs> exactly if Gojo's going to be touched it's going to be on his terms for sure, oh, for sure. yeah um <laughs> Okay, but speaking of Jogo, I found him so particularly terrifying, um, especially just like with the volcanic eruption of his rage. I'm like, okay, he's going to take things out. And especially with that cafe scene, that would be haunting to me from that latest episode. Mm -hmm. So I did look uh, look up a little things. On him, and I thought these were interesting. First, Jogo is one of four cursed spirits born from humanity's collective subconscious fears, which we've learned about that. Mm-hmm. And so his appearance and abilities imply that he was born from the fear, the collective fear of volcanic eruptions, which Ichidori called him Mount Fuji head. So mm. that's where that's where that comes from and then gojo's or jogo not gojo la 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 jogo's black teeth were inspired by a process called teeth uh called teeth blackening or ohajuro ohajuro i think that's how it's pronounced o-h-a-g-u-r-o in Japan, and this is where one dyes their teeth black to symbolize coming of age and marriage, as well as tooth decay prevention. So hmm. I just thought, like, those seem all to be positive things, but for some reason, it just, like, adds to that. Um, but it was a very common tradition in Japan a long time ago, hun- for hundreds of years, and obviously now not so much. But I think mm-hmm. that it's interesting how Jujutsu Kaisen ties in a lot of traditional Japanese things or old Japanese things mixed in with modern. So I thought that that was cool, yeah. especially about this cursed spirit. So definitely. I yeah. mean, the more that you watch the show, you'll find that some of the curses or the cursed spirits are 
older than others. And so I think that is a, a very important um, piece that kind of helps <gasps> us understand that yes. Jogo is a little bit older, a little bit, or <gasps> supposedly a little bit wiser than some mm-hmm. of the others. That's really yes. Cool. I love that you tied that in because um, that would be a very big concern of people, especially like way, 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 way back hundreds of years ago, which is when that teeth blackening process was mm-hmm. kind of around. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. Very cool. Well, thanks, but it's all on you. It was mutual. It was mutual. But yeah, I think we're good to go. So let's move on to episode eight. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode eight. The title of this episode is Boredom. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> this is kind of one of those episodes that's like in between, kind of giving you a little bit of exposition uh, in between um, some bigger events. Um, but let me just give you a literal quick summary. Yes. Um, <laughs> Megami and Nobara are approached by Toto and Mai from the Kyoto School. Toto is spe- is trying to see if Megumi specifically can measure up to Yuta, who he fought with the previous year. Um, and if mm-hmm. you've watched the movie that is supposed to be episode zero, um, you'll get a, a bigger understanding of what he's talking about there. After finding Megumi boring, Toto fights him with Mai taking on Nobara from Tokyo s- until Tokyo second year's Maki, Panda, and Toge turn up to stop the fight. Maki reminds Nobara that it isn't about winning the fight that was happening today, but to win the event that is coming up soon that matters. Yes. And I want to add that we get the creepy incident a month from that fight with the movie theater. And there's a boy who approaches Mahito and we finally see Nanami. (laughs) That is a good point. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just want to throw it out there. Oh, gosh, I love Nanami so much. He is the I Levi struggle. equivalent. <gasps> what? I was just, no, no, no. I was going to say, I struggle between my love between Nanami and Gojo because they are two very oh. different characters, but I love them both so much. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, oh, no. Um Cause yeah, I just love Nanami so much. I think I prefer him to Gojo. Mm, I think I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I always reserve the right to change my mind, but that's where I currently stand as of today. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's it's a struggle for me because I really like funny guys, but I also like straight laced ones too. So exactly, it's... ones who look oh. amazing in a suit and just you know. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I I get it. (laughs) Well, okay. Um, So today I thought, and it's not a very long theme that I have today, um, but there's a lot of times where um, it it is, there are a lot of comparisons. So my my theme today is about measuring up. Um, Like I said, in the, um, in the summary, like Toto was looking for, for some type of comparison as to who these people are that are filling in for Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's just one small example. Um, so the first one that I thought of is um, at the beginning of the episode, like Megumi and Nobara are trying their best to, to replace the third years in the event. Um, the third years have been expelled or whatever. They're not able to participate Um, And so the second years, who are Maki, Toge, and Panda, um, have asked the first years to participate so that they have a fighting chance against um, the other school, their their rival school. Um, But then there's Toto and Mai, who are trying to come to see if Megumi and Nobara are even worth fighting with or fighting Mm -hmm. against. Yeah. Um, and so they try to provoke each of them separately. Well, at first together, but then separately to see how they how they do on their own. Um, so they're trying to see at what level, like their first years, do they know very much? Do they know how to do combat? Are they strong sorcerers to begin with? 
Um, there's just like a lot of questions that go around that. Um, but then there are also the second years um, who are trying to measure up um, Maki, Toge, and Panda um, are trying to take like kind of step in the shoes of the third years um, to to try to be like the older brother or the older sister to the first years because they've definitely had mm-hmm. to take on the role of instead of being the younger ones who are being taught but to be the ones that are older and teaching um, mm-hmm. those that are that are younger and so um, they Throughout the episode, um, there is a point where Maki, Toge, and Panda come to save Megumi and Nobara. And they end up as a trio being able to take down Toto and Mai. Mai is taken down by a combination of Maki and Nobara, just because they just kind of took her by surprise. But I think that it's also Maki being underestimated by her sister Mai. And not taken seriously. And so I think that Maki is going past the level that that Mai has set Maki at. Because she's not somebody who can see curses. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she kind of, she measures up. She measures up way past what is expected. Yes. While Mai even was saying like, yeah, I mean, my head gets so or my neck hurts so bad from looking up at people because, you know, I'm, I might not see cursed spirits as well as they can, but you can't even see them at all. So thanks for being the person I can look down on or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, oh my gosh, I just want to punch May in the face. She is just so mean. But, um, but yeah, because of that though, you can see why Maki is just so determined to be, excellent and she Mm -hmm. completely takes her sister by surprise you know Mai did not expect that at all from her sister yeah and I think that there's also this like during um when the second years have come in to save uh Megami and Nobara I think that there's also something that is to be said about our second years fighting really hard as a team and knowing mm-hmm. how to fight as a team that gives them that leg up against Toto and Mai because Toto and Mai very much fight separately. You see that yes. they're trying to separate um, Megami and Nobara so that they can have them one-on-one to fight the way that they want to fight. Um, and when it comes to a point of people coming becoming a team against them, they don't really do very well. Um, I mean, Toto still handles his own and he ends up pulling out of the fight because Panda says like, let's stop this. Um, but he has, he has really no concept at the moment. It seems to be able to work as a team at all. That's a very good point. I like that you thought that. Yeah. Um, so the next point that I had is that, um, Toto mentions that the first years might be able to make up for the lack of Utah, Utah. I keep saying Utah, Um, (laughs) Utah, but he still says that he wants Utah to join the event and tell him that he wants Utah to be there. And uh, for me, I think that that's Toto trying to not be wrong about the first years just a Mm -hmm. little bit Um, because he, he thinks like that he can put everybody in a box and whatever type of woman you're interested in that will tell him like <laughs> how amazing you are as a fighter, which doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to anybody. Let's be real. It only um, makes sense to him, which I guess yeah. is all that matters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so for him, um, I think that he's in this moment, he's, he kind of says in his mind, like, Ooh, this might be a better fight than I expected. But he still mm-hmm. wants to throw out there, like, I'm still expecting you to, to be there. Like, he is he is on my level. Expect um, to be disappointed, man. Expect to yeah. be disappointed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah. Um, there's one thing that I kind of wanted to point out is that Toto... So Toto also mentions that he sees something in Megumi that excites him. Like, he specifically says, it excites him by the end of their match. 
And it really made me think about when Sukuna, when they were at the juvenile detention <gasps> center, saying that there's something that's exciting about Megami as well. Oh my gosh, you're right. And so I'm like, so what are they seeing? Is this is definitely seems like foreshadowing, very similar feelings towards towards mm-hmm. Megumi when Megumi lets go. Like Megumi is somebody that's very controlled, and when he decides to let go and truly utilize his abilities and his powers, people are impressed. That's very ex for lack of a better word, exciting. But <laughs> That will be very interesting to see later on down the road. Obviously, between Sukuna and Toto both saying that, um, mm-hmm. I think that's just some foreshadowing to some really exciting things this season and probably next. Ooh, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, no, definitely. Um, and then I thought that we would, you know, move on to the bonus because that's pretty much all I have to say. All right. Well, I think you did great. So, yeah. Um, The things that I wanted to add, I, words cannot describe how much I love a school rivalry. (laughs) (laughs) And according to the CBR article, which we will link in the show notes, I guess the Kyoto and Tokyo school rivalries are like a thing. Like, to an infamous level, so it makes it where the local viewers, the Japan viewers, can be just well aware of the weight behind this feud, which I'm like, you guys are so lucky. That would be awesome. Like, to me, that's like saying that my high school was going to, like, fight our rival high school, Mm -hmm. um, but, like, on a high popular TV show. And that would yeah. be completely epic. So I'm like, you guys are so lucky. <laughs> but um, who were your high school rivals in sports? Because ours was Dominion. Oh. Because they split our high school. So people who had originally gone to our school had eventually gone to the new high school, which was Dominion. Mm. So it was kind of a, a older brother, younger brother kind of rivalry for us, which we always want all of the the sports <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know honestly like we didn't have very many good teams so if we did have a quote-unquote rivalry we were definitely the ones that lost all the time oh, like no. our high school varsity basketball team wasn't great our varsity football team wasn't great um our jv girls basketball team was really good for a couple of years but we didn't really have any rivals Um, Like our only team that was like consistently good was our wrestling team. And I totally blank out because all of those boys were just disgusting. You know, the ones that like spit balls on weigh in day. Oh, I just didn't pay attention to them. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. um, I remember um, living in Ohio. So both of my parents were from rival schools and I went (gasps) to my dad's school. Um, So. It was the Pima Tuning Valley Lakers versus the Jefferson Falcons, and they were big rivals to the point where um, when I was little, a whole bunch of PB Lakers came and burnt down a sign that was in my neighborhood and burnt my mom's car to the point where we had to get a new one. Yeah, my mom's car was parked right next to the sign that they set on fire. That is wild. Yeah, very wild. All my Christmas presents as like a three or five year old were burnt up that year. Along with my Christmas dress, which I only have one picture of from that year. That is devastating. (laughs) Yeah. That is, and that was high school? Just high schooler rivalries? High school rivalries, yeah. Like, wow, I mean, it's in Ohio in like Hickville. So, uh, you know what? Guess what? Another part. I'm pointing to myself, everyone. Another <laughs> from another Ohio Hick town as well. Actually, yeah. not that I sh- not that I should brag, but if anyone's read or watched the book or movie Hillbilly Elgy, oh I lived <laughs> I <laughs> I lived two minutes away from where the author lived. He mentions an address and I looked it up on Google Maps and sure enough, we were two minutes away from each other from my childhood address. <laughs> so there's a little bragging there about my Ohio Hicktown that I'm from. So oh, gosh, 
Uh, uh, love, love those high school rivalries. So yeah, kind of jealous though about that. Um, but another thing I wanted to watch, uh, mention was the first time that we watched Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, I was watching with my husband and when Toto said that his type of woman is a tall one with a big gorgeous ass. My husband looked at me and laughed because he was like, same. It was hysterical. <laughs> I'm like, that might be a little TMI for everyone. But he was like, oh my gosh, that is me. And it was just hysterical. That's so funny. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Might be a oh, little man. TMI, but you know. No. Uh, I just want to say it's nice when tall women get appreciated. I, oh, you know, so I, I was happy about it, <laughs> but Sam, what about you? What was something that you liked also? Um, so I don't know if people have been paying attention, but a lot of the times within each or at the end of each of the episodes after the credits, they do like a, a little short. Um, oh, and yeah. so for this episode, uh, we get to see Toto meet his like superstar girlfriend. Yes. Girl girlfriend is in air quotes. Um, mm -hmm. But Maya's just like huffing and puffing, waiting for him. And then he says, you know what, Maya? Here's a ticket for you. Go through it and meet her. You just, you just need to. This is me as her future husband doing a <laughs> service. Um, and I loved it because Maya, again, just is like huffing and puffing about having to wait in this line and I can't remember the the pop star's name but she's like oh you're a girl or a female or something like that oh my goodness it must just be so hard for you you know yada 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 mm -hmm. and Mai's demeanor just kind of like changes because the superstar is just like complimenting her and telling her how wonderful she is and that she was so excited that Mai was there that day to stand in line and meet her and Mai walks away and she's like that wasn't so bad. <laughs> so I just thought it was very, very funny because she ended up loving it. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be hysterical just mm -hmm. for both of them. So yeah. Every now and then I forget that those exist. So I need to make sure that I watch them because I love when anime does that. It's so good. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, but yeah, I think we're ready for episode nine. Okay, yeah. awesome. Okay. Okay, so episode nine, the title is Small Fry and Reverse Retribution. Retribution. Oh my gosh, Reverse Retribution. <laughs> I don't know what it is today, Sam, but the words have been so hard today. Yeah, I don't know if I just can't read or what's going on. It's it's a weird day. <laughs> yeah, super weird day today. Okay, now for the quick in air quotes summary. Uh, the same boy that we saw in the alley is now being accused of staring at a girl's boobs and he gets beat up by a group of boys. He wishes that there was a button that could make everyone who hated him die. Even a teacher saw this fight and looked away. Mm -hmm. Now, this boy is named Junpei. And he bought a ticket at the movies. He tried to enjoy the film, but annoying high schoolers were chatting loudly. And Mahito appears behind the boys to show them some manners. Their faces become distorted and Junpei runs toward the person he saw. And Mahito asks him, what if I am the one who did it? Are you going to condemn me now? But Junpei asks a different question. He wants to know if he could do that too. Kento Nanami, a suit turned sorcerer, and Itadori um, had made it to the scene before her uh, forensics. And it is worth noting that Nanami and Itadori are not clicking the same way that Itadori did with Gojo, even from the start. Now, when they did leave the theater, they were surrounded by cursed spirits. Nanami tells Itadori he'll take care of it because he is the adult, mm -hmm. 
And mid-fight, Nanami reveals his technique in this teaching moment, but Itadori struggles to do both fighting and listening. So it's this whole thing. Um, to be fair, I would also struggle with that, especially oh, like time. under threat of like dying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we can see though how much Itadori has improved after a month. Um, but that's when they discover that the curses they are fighting were formerly humans. Mm-hmm. Now, Mahito shares a lesson on curses with Junpei. Curses come from the things that people fear, which people fear everything. And mm-hmm. Junpei asks what kind of curse Mahito is. And Mahito is human, born from the fear that people hold deep inside towards each other, which creeps me out. Mm-hmm. And Itadori is told to find Junpei and investigate him with E. How do you say this guy's name? Iguchi? Iguchi. Thank you. Iguchi. Who is the uh, driver and kind of is the person who's kind of there, but kind of not. So this is the first time I have said this man's name. Just FYI. I just call him the assistant because I always yes! say his name. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Because, yeah, it's so hard. So, yeah, Iguchi and Ichidori leaves Nanami with the parting words, be careful. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. Um, now, this theme that I'm going to bring up, I want it to be kind of more of a discussion or something for people to, like, chew on or think about because it's not so cut and dry. It's more philosophical, mm-hmm. but it's, like, the theme being the button with two options, the fear of humanity and Mahito and just all of that encompassing one another. So with the button, the two buttons that uh, Junpei had thought of, you know, one to kill the people you hated or one to kill everyone who hated you. Uh, Mm. Junpei, he would, I know, Junpei would pick the second option um, to kill everyone who hated him um, that they would die. And we can see why he would feel that way as he is getting beat up, as he is getting ignored by these adults who should protect him. We can see why that would be assumingly making his life, his quality of life be easier. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. And he's, he's trying to make his quality of life better. Yes, you would that. you would think that it would be killing the people that you hated, but really it's the people who hate you because then there'd be no one to no one to really go out of their way to do you harm. Mm-hmm. Um we know that a button like that doesn't exist, but it'd be it would make sense why after being bullied, ignored, unprotected by adults, accused, inconvenienced, um all those things, why he would be drawn to Mahito, who is a cursed spirit that embodies the collected hatred and fear that people hold for each other. And we can also see why Mahito would welcome a person like Junpei. He said that it was stress-free talking to him. And Junpei seems to be relatively unafraid of him and these curses that surround him. And, you know, not to touch on specifics, because I know that that can be very triggering for people, just given, like, turn on the news. Mm -hmm. But you can make that parallel to our world, where humanity as a whole, from the very beginning, has held a hatred or fear of another person because of race, gender, religion, um, any kind of Mm -hmm. other-ism. or even like a false sense of superiority of oneself. It has been a plague of humanity, of our own human race from the beginning of time. And we can see why something like a button would be 
a fix to humanity's problem. And we can see why that would be tempting, but we know that even if it was possible, it wouldn't work in the long run because humans seem to have this collective way of just finding something to fear or hate about another person, seemingly. Um, Which makes me wonder, how can we as humanity people, humans, work on ourselves and work within our sphere of influence to combat this fear or hatred that keeps feeding into the world? You know, how can we do what we can do to stop that adding to that collective curse spirit in a sense, you know? Yeah. I think that that's an easier answer for dealing with people that you hate versus dealing with people who hate or who hate you. Because I feel like a lot of the times we don't always know who hate us Mm -hmm. um, because they hide behind a symbol or a group or a fake smile. But I think that there's something to be said about being open to conversations of people that you, um, don't necessarily agree with Mm -hmm. Um, and, and being able to see their side because maybe that will take the hatred away. Maybe if you can't see eye to eye, you may be able to understand that they have motivations as a human themselves, why they would view that. Um, But I really, I really like this theme that you have talked about because it's much deeper. And I, I, I've been talking to my husband about this and also on my other podcast that It's just so wonderful that you can have something like manga or anime or books or games where you feel something that connects you to real life. Now, I'm not talking about like pulling you completely out of the fantasy of it. Yes. But um, like an example that I have is like there's a character in The Way of Kings book by Brandon Sanderson who has depression and anxiety. And um, it was just really nice to feel like I was represented and that I could resonate with that person, be able to further jump into the book myself, to further immerse myself because I felt that connection with that character. And I feel like Junpei is one of those characters. Um, Mm -hmm. He's deeply flawed um, and is very distressed by it. And And it's not saying that Itadori or Megumi isn't flawed, but Junpei is much more... um, he is a character that is being used to display his faults more openly. Um, yes. And I feel like he is a much more human character mm-hmm. and makes you kind of delve deeper into the anime or the manga because of him. Because he has struggles that we have every day. And it might not be the exact same situation, um, but I know that there are a lot of people that can really relate at least to Junpei being bullied or people just not taking a stand for him. Um, So it's just, it's really amazing to be able to have these conversations because I, I definitely think that, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there that think that watching anime or reading manga or reading books or playing games is a waste of time because it's not something that you're, quote unquote, being educated on and you're not building on yourself. But I beg to differ in the highest degree because we can have these types of conversations about characters, about stories, about events and grow from that. Exactly. Yes. Um, Exactly. Well, and Sam, in the very beginning of what you said, how, you know, this might, it's a lot easier to take control of how we would be with people because we don't know who our enemies are. We don't know the things that they stand behind or the thing or the groups that they're a part of or the beliefs that they hold. So we don't really know who our enemy is. We can see why Junpei would be drawn to button number two. Oh, definitely. Just have his own enemies die because then he would know he was under Mm -hmm. no threat. So again, like, 
we know that Megami and Itadori have their own problems, like you mentioned, but Junpei is that character where, to a degree, he's a little more relatable mm-hmm. um, to the average person. Um, yeah. You know, who's to say that if we were treated that poorly, that we would be like, I'm going to run away from the freak who killed people, as opposed to be like, this guy like took people out who were who were bothering me, who were like mm-hmm. causing me pain or annoyance or whatever. Like, what does he do? You know, like he's a much more sympathetic character, basically, um, yeah. because we we see how he struggles and it's more relatable, um, and we can reflect on what we would do if we could be given the chance or what how we would be better than the people around him in his world definitely so yeah is there anything else you want to add i it's not one of those things where it's a concrete start or end it's more yeah. of a malon chew on kind of thing that would be individual for everyone you know to think about mm-hmm. i i definitely think that this is a theme that we can carry on throughout the uh, season, uh, just because it is very, very applicable um, to a lot of the content that a lot of the content that we are going to be putting out for them, and I think especially when we decide to cover episode zero, the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Yuta and I'm forgetting what her name is, but yes, um, but but Yuta and everyone else who watched the movie knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and maybe, maybe because these curses are are born from fear. How do you conquer that fear, or how do you overcome that fear? You know, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, more mulling over to do is basically what <laughs> I've decided to do. <laughs> yeah, and I hope other people do. But yeah, let's just move on to the bonus stuff. Is there anything mm-hmm. else you'd like that you want to add? Um, I do. Um, so there is this part where we see Gojo saying like, hey, Yuji, you're going to go with Nanami today. Um, mm-hmm. And we know that Gojo could have gone on this mission, but he specifically wants Yuji to go with Nanami. And I think that that is because Gojo knows that Nanami can round out Yuji's education. Yeah. Um, because there are certain things that Gojo just doesn't ascribe to because of his personality or because of his beliefs. And I think one of them being um, is a respect for rules and um, a love for detail that Nanami has and that he shares with Yuji that Gojo just knows that he could not, um, you know, give Yuji. Go- yeah, Gojo knows himself and he's like, this is where I suck. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to pass you along so you get more even better than how you were exactly and that's the thing though is that gojo is not trying to i I think that this is a really good moment to see that gojo is not trying to make itadori in his image but is trying to make sure that his students have better than what he had and that comes with the understanding of i am not strong in this and so i will let somebody else who is stronger in this area educate them so that they can gain what I didn't. Oh, I love that. Yep. I 100% agree with that. Um, for me. Okay. So in Mahito was talking about cursed spirits with, uh, or curses with Junpei and he used toilet bound Hanako and the nine tailed fox. (laughs) I pointed at, at the TV. I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, did they mention what I just heard them say? Because, those are direct references to real legends that also tie to my favorite Animanga stories, Toilet yeah. Hanukukun and Naruto. So I like, <laughs> I had this freak out moment and I'm sure like everyone who knows those things has also had a freak out moment, but oh my gosh, it is almost silly how happy that made me. <laughs> um, And then I also wanted to add this little, like, fun fact trivia about Mahito. So, Mahito is actually the only character to appear individually on two separate 
manga volume covers, so volume 6 and volume 15, which I need to add this, Sam. I have, I think, up to volumes 5, but have I read any of it yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) I've only read volume 0, so I'm right there with you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, I feel so bad. I was so determined, but like, this is the problem with being a mood reader. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh. Um, Yeah, I had all the plans, like the best of intentions, the way I did with Attack on Titan and like bringing in little tidbits from mm-hmm. the manga. No, it's not going to happen with Jujutsu Kaisen, but I'm super excited about it. So <laughs> I just... I just want to be transparent. I haven't read anything yet. Um, So yeah, I am very scared for the people who are manga readers who are like, again, I know everything. I know more than you, you know? Um, But then this other thing about Mahito is that because he was born from the collective hatred and fear of other humans, this makes him the only member of the group not to be born from the fear of a natural disaster. Very cool. Yeah. So like there's volcanoes, there's earthquakes, there's all kinds of ones, but he is the only one that's born not from a fear of natural disasters. So super cool. I know. So yeah, fun stuff. Um, But okay, let's move on to our favorite character or favorite character moment Let's go. Sam, who was your favorite between all three of these episodes? Okay, so I so wanted to say Megami, but I've already chosen Megami. And I'm like, I need to to switch it up. And the other person that I was thinking of, I'm doing for the next trio. <laughs> so oh! Like, um, who, who else has, like, who, who else have I loved? And I thought that, you know what, Toto... He's freaking hilarious. Um, his, the humor that he brings in episode eight was just awesome and amazing. And it's, it doesn't make sense, but it makes, like you said before, it makes sense to him, which makes it all the more funny. Toto, you share a birthday with my husband. You are a very funny guy. Love you. <laughs> Would I want to date you? No, but <laughs> no, not at I all. love you. Oh my gosh, so funny. When is John's birthday? Slash Toto's uh, birthday? Uh, September 23rd. And then <gasps> I share with Gojo, December 7th. Which I, okay, words cannot describe how jealous I am of that. So awesome. <laughs> well, I told John, I was like, two of our, two of my favorite characters share birthdays with us. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, you got the big buff guy that likes women's asses. And he's like, sweet. <laughs> he's like it's true (laughs) that is hysterical okay now i need to look up mine and trinidad's because now i'm like genuinely genuinely curious so yeah you gotta find out who shares your birthday it doesn't matter about celebrities we're all about anime characters exactly exactly although i will say i do share a birthday with frankie muniz so i mean be jealous everyone yeah (laughs) With Malcolm in the middle. Exactly. Um, okay. My favorite character. I am so biased. This will come as a shock to no one. <laughs> but it has to be Kento Nanami. Okay? Because oh, yeah. everything about him, literally everything, but his line on what makes a person an adult cracks me up. So because funny. I am... I am, like, 100% true. Like, I don't know when it happens, but, like, if it hits you where you're just, like, I am an adult. Like, I feel old now. Like, there's a oh, yeah. there was someone who posted on their Instagram story where it's, like, I can do a daytime activity or I can do a nighttime activity, but I cannot, under any circumstances, do both. Do and both. I'm, like... Yes, that is me. I definitely I I can only do so much and that's what being an adult is. So 
for any gen z people who listen to this i don't know maybe i'm too cringe or too chooky or whatever but if there are any gen z people you have that to look forward to (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) exactly yeah oh okay well everyone i think that that's a wrap so um everyone thank you so much for joining us for these episodes. We are so happy that you are here with us at Little Bit Weebish. And thank you for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to continue doing that, the best way is to share this with your friends, make them watch Jujutsu Kaisen with you. It's a great time. Or, and or, really, um, you can give us a review. It helps us out so much. Um, And if you give us a written review... That would be like chef's Mm. kiss, cherry on top, all the things. But yeah, that's just how you can do it if you want to support the podcast. Um, Again, we are so happy that you are here. Next week, we will be covering episodes 10 through 12. So be sure to watch those ahead of time and join us again. We would love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email at littlebitweebish at gmail.com or a DM on either Instagram or TikTok. Thank you, everyone. We will see you all next week. Bye.